Oh. Here we are. Yeah, finally, huh? So what's going on, man? It's fucking cold in Ohio. Hunkering down. Really uh, wish all these uh, California podcasters would shut the fuck up. I've already said it once before, but Jesus Christ, everyone's like, global warming in California. <laughs> Come to Ohio, you pussies. Freezer. Well, then, but I mean, to their that sentiment. I mean, the day before it got to two degrees, it was sixty degrees. Yeah. I called my kids off of school, and it was fifty degrees outside. Fifty degrees. It was over fifty degrees. It was like fifty-six degrees. I woke up. Yeah, but then it did drop. It dropped just in time. What's gonna like, happen if the kids are at school and it drops? It's like just just go to do class. You guys have not heat. Yeah. Not heat. <laughs> what happens to the heat? <laughs> Just you guys turn it off? That's sadistic and weird. Stop turning your heat off when it gets cold. Yeah, it was it was something. I mean, it did get icy, but dude, I mean, I can't say that they never canceled school with us though. I remember like our junior year in high school, they canceled it for like three weeks. Remember that? No, I don't really remember. It was two or three weeks. I I just remember being home for a long time. They were talking about extending the year because we were gone for so long. But it was just because of the cold. I remember that. Yeah. I'm glad they did. I'm still glad they did. They should have canceled all of school. (laughs) (laughs) Forever. Yeah. Boo fucking who. Fuck time. Yeah, just give us a piece. Just give us a fucking piece of paper. I can't even tell you what I did my senior year. Mm -mm. I think it took biology. Nah, I might have been junior. I don't remember what I did my senior year. My teachers liked me, and they were like, cool, just pass them. Yeah, basically. That's basically what it was. <laughs> I went to class. I don't think I ever cut. Didn't go in a few times, just all together, but, you know, not a not a large value for me, high school. I could have I tested out when I was 15. Gone on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Sounds cool. Sounds cool to do. But man, goddammit, it's cold, man. We are getting winter this year. We are falling away from the sun. That's how it feels. And on the other side of the continent, there's fires blazing. <laughs> Maybe not right now. But I think they're kind of yeah. gotten, gotten them under control. That was fucking nuts, though. It was. But, I mean, that's nature, right? I mean, that's what happens when you build in an area like that and then you build up all the uh, dead shit for years and years and that's what happens so that was nature taking over that's what don't it's give a do. fuck it's just gonna roll right over you doesn't care about you George Carlin said fuck the planet planet doesn't love you and maybe plastic was part of the earth's plan and it couldn't make it on its own so they made humans <laughs> It made humans. Yeah, yeah. And now it's the Earth plus plastic. That was a good bit. <laughs> I can't remember what special that was on, but I was like, damn it, George. You're the fucking man. <laughs> Who was that? George Carlin. Yeah. It's one of his last couple specials. I can't remember which one it was called, damn it. But, I mean, his last couple specials, I mean, a lot of it wasn't funny. It was kind of dark, and he was kind of scolding society in a way. But it was it was funny to me. That's what made it funny. It was dark humor, yeah. Yeah. Like you could it. tell he was a little slower. He did slow down in the end there. Sharp, sharp though. Still sharp. Right. Very poignant, but I don't think his uh, retort was as quick as it, it used to be. It's definitely taking a little time to process. But that's that's getting older. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to happen. Happens to everyone. Especially an ex drug addict. And he was addict. painkillers, yeah. Yeah, he was a coke addict and everything, you know. 
Yeah, it's pretty fucking crazy he's gone. I guess not, though. Everyone gets old and passes away. Fucking, listen to this guy named uh, Owen Benjamin. He's a uh, stand-up comedian. Pretty much got ostracized out of Hollywood for just being more right-leaning than left. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're any kind of resembling anything on the right, you know, you get fucking kicked out of Hollywood if you're in the entertainment industry, and that's kind of what happened to him. He, like, lost his... <clears throat> lost his management and shit because he spoke out against transgender children. That whole oh yeah philosophy. Yeah. I did. I, I hear about. I heard about. I that. wouldn't call it a philosophy. It's. I, I I agree with him. Everything he's saying. Yeah, it's insanity. Yeah, total. And so he paid the price for it. But he's doing well now. He just started his own podcast, and it's actually he's he's smart guy, real smart guy. But he's a musician and a comedian too, so he's cool. He's coming to Cleveland, I believe, on my birthday, March twenty second. So I might go. Hey, we'll try to get him on the pot, you know, if he's cool. Shoot him an email, see what's up. He has a lot to say. Very thoughtful in his uh, in his rhetoric. Yeah, I think I heard his podcast with Joe Rogan. Yeah, he's been he on there talked about that times. whole situation. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he's been on there a couple times. He's been on everyone's podcast, and he's been, like, on a lot of people's podcasts that I've been listening to for a long time, like... Uh, I want to say he was on Tom Woods' podcast. He was on um, Stefan Molyneux's podcast, too, recently. And he's done everything in between Joey Diaz and all that. So he's kind of bouncing back between the right, right-leaning right philosophers and the uh, stand-up comedians that we all know and love. Yeah. So it's cool. It's a good, uh, good mix. I like the objective conversation, you know? Well, I feel like you get more of that with a with a stand up comedian than you do on any right or left wing or left leaning media outlet. At least you get open and honest dialogue a lot of the times. You have to be that way to be a comedian. I think you just got to say what's on your mind. You know, on some fundamental level, or it's just not funny. Right. You know? We'll see how all that turns out. You know, the freedom of speech shit. I think we should just say whatever we want to fucking say, you know, pay the price for it. But uh, that was our birthright. That's what we should do. But uh, on that note, what are we going to do? We're just going to segue right into this. Yeah, it's not a smooth transition. No, nah, we don't have smooth transitions, I don't think, on this thing, do we? Well, speak, you know, this is a good, you know, you it's... You can be objective about this, and it's subjective, the the topic. So there we go, the freedom of speech. I mean, at, at what point do we not have that? Can we have the debate of the top 10 albums of all time? Well, what was it, top 13? We want to go with an awkward number. Yeah, <laughs> because everyone does top 10. Everyone does fucking top 10. We'll still tag top 10, could just because. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just so more people listen. Yeah, yeah. top 10 what? Uh, it's top 13. Well, you know, I think uh, we haven't done one of these yet, and kind of makes sense you know a lot of people did their top 10 list or whatever of 2017 but i was thinking we just we'll just do our top 10 or we can do top 13 whatever let's keep it to like let's let's each do a top 10 i guess because that's 20 records that's a lot a lot of conversation we're gonna have to squeeze in here um maybe not top 10 of all time that's so hard to do i mean it's so fucking hard because i mean Uh I mean, there's so many records that impacted my life, it's hard to pinpoint. Maybe uh, more the most impactful, influential, maybe. Go there. I'm, I'm breaking mine down by eras. You okay. Know? 
just to, uh... Well, I'll follow your lead. You tell me your top of the era, and I will, uh... All right, we'll start, start 70s. And this is tough. It hurts my damn feelings. Um, it's gonna have to be Led Zeppelin. One of them. Uh... That's also tough. What, what, what one do we, do I choose? Which one do I choose? It's gonna have to be... Impactful. Probably physical graffiti. Just... It's their double album. It's their most expansive, I think, release. As far as the length of the songs. And... It... It was an album that wasn't jammed down everyone's throat. I mean, everyone's heard those songs, but there wasn't like those mega hits like Stairway to Heaven and Whole Lot of Love on it. You know, Cashmere was on it, but even that was kind of a long song, you know? Very well written. I think uh, different, though. Very eclectic. Ups and downs, you know. It wasn't like Led Zeppelin Three, where it was just kind of mostly all acoustic. Which is, that's my next favorite step, but I'll stick to physical graffiti on that one. I would have to say the same band, but I would have to go with four, just because it was a gateway into getting me into listening to that band. Yeah. I mean, that, that those songs were like, yeah, I like that hook, you know, and then I start listening to that band. And it, I don't know, that just makes more sense to me because four. of the, the door. It wouldn't have been an open door, possibly, had I not heard some of those songs. Four, yeah, man. Stairway to Heaven's on that. Uh, Black Dog. My favorite track on there is probably when the levee breaks, just for the drums. Right. I mean, that song's amazing, and that's yeah. one of my favorite songs to this day. Oh, yeah. Them. I mean, the whole thing is great. I got the uh, reissue on vinyl. They accidentally sent me the uh, Super Deluxe Edition, and I just bought the... All I wanted, because I've never found a, gr a great copy of any Led Zeppelin vinyl until they re released these reissues a couple years ago. And so I just wanted them, um, the original copies, just the regular album. And then for some reason, they sent me the Super Deluxe Edition. It must have been on accident. I was just like, sweet. You're bad. <laughs> All so right. I took that motherfucker. But it's fantastic. It sounds amazing. Better than it ever has. But uh, yeah, man, great, 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 great band. If you don't like Led Zeppelin, you're probably a little bit of a commie. And I'm not judging. I've I've heard knocks on that band. Well, there's been plenty in last typically. Few years. Yeah, I'm about, I'm not talking about the copyright bullshit, but uh, anyone that doesn't like Led Zeppelin usually says they don't like Robert Plant, and I'm like, how can you not like Robert Plant? I, well, they can not like him, but I mean to say like they can't say he's untalented or he sucks. I mean that's 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 the differentiating. It's it's thing. That's that's, that's like, where that's you get false. subjective because yeah. you know someone can be like can hear the you know intro to immigrant song and think it sounds ridiculous, which I, from a certain perspective you might agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean I, that's I guess this is the subjective side of it, but the objective side is it is that he's talented. He knows music. Yeah. And he knows it, he, and he, he knows how to sing. He can sing. That's the objective part of it. He can sing in key and pitch. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, just emotional. Yeah, and he writes. He's a writing master with the lyrics and stuff. Going back to Cashmere, I know we're talking about four, but, uh, you know, like Four Sticks or, uh, you know, that's an amazing. Going to California? Going to California. Those are probably the two best lyrically on it, I think. Yeah. You know, so can't really... Uh, Objectively, say the Robert Plant sucks. That might be controversial too, but eh, I think I've 
I think I presented my case well. <laughs> They're all great. Fuck the haters. What next? Well, you said 70s, so the only the natural progression would be the 80s. Well, if I'm going top 10, maybe I'll two from each era. Okay. Yeah, so... Again, hurts my damn feelings to just pick one more from the 70s because there's so much good stuff in the 70s, but... Oh, I'm going to have to go with Black Sabbath. Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. I kind of... I've, I've been swaying back and forth the last few years on what would be my f most favorite Black Sabbath song, Ozzy era, but... Or, uh, not song, but album. From Ozzy era from the 70s. And it used to be Volume 4, but I've, I've, sw I've swayed over to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Just the vibe of that record is amazing. And again, it, I don't think the songs are overplayed on it. He's got shit like National Acrobat on it. That's a great song, you know, and it doesn't get a lot of play. And Killing Yourself to Live, shit like that, you know. I'm going to, yeah, I'd agree. That's probably my favorite Black Sabbath. That would have been on my list as well. Plus, it's recorded in a dungeon, you know? And it it was recorded in some haunted dungeon in some castle. You can't get any more metal than that, really, as far as vibe goes. And it shows on that record. Because they didn't, and even though, you know, it's not really a metal record as what metal would be described as today, but it, it was vibey in that it had that dark element. And. You know, recording it in a dungeon and knowing that, and then listening to the songs. I mean, the arrangements are spooky. And it, it even has strings and shit in it. And it's just fantastic, gorgeous record, all the way around, front to back. And what are your '70s records? You're going with Sabbath I went with too? four. I went with four. Four, four and. Uh, I'm gonna have to say High Voltage. <gasps> ACDC. ACDC. Good choice. I, title track, dude. Title track. That yeah. fucking shit is just rocking. I, I just think that the hooks and the riffs were so simple, but I don't think any band other than them could pull it off. You know, the songs yeah. had this simplicity about it, but at the same time, they were awesome and hooky and... Uh, uh, well, yeah, awesome and hooky. A lot of people equate simplicity to ACDC, but I think to achieve that sound is a lot harder than... than oh, exactly. That's what I mean. To be like, able to play those those riffs and those drum beats in, in the fashion that they did with, you know... I'm drawing a blank on the singer's name. Uh, bon Scott. Bon Scott, yeah. It's a long way to the top, dude. Opening track. That's yeah. one of my favorite ACDC songs ever. And it's, it, you know, I always say that shit when we're, when it's getting hard being I, in I a band. Think, I don't know. The, <laughs> the, 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 there's a, uh, a track off there called Little Lover. Yeah. And it's so just, it's got this dirtiness to it. And it's not like it, you know, you you feel aroused or you get this feeling out from the song, but you kind of like, get to see into this dude's mind you know i don't that's that's what i get out of it and it, i don't know it's just creepy and it's but it's a great song yeah. <laughs> it's got this little hook to it i have to go back and listen to that song i have high voltage I'll go back and she's got balls dude can i sit next to your girl mm, yeah or can i sit next to you girl is what it is live wire rock and roll singer that's a great jam mm -hmm. 
yeah, there's a cadence to how they play their instruments where nobody else can really get that sound. And it's not like a... It's a distorted guitar, a real simple kind of setup. It's more of an overdriven guitar. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of gain on it. It's just... Yeah. Uh, Plug in and fucking yeah. jam, dude. Just how they did it. I don't know. Nobody else writes songs like that. I think people have tried, but they never nailed it. Don't think anybody is for a long time. I mean, maybe Guns N' Roses came close on Appetite, but... Different thing. Different thing. Yeah, that was totally different. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I guess not. Those are all good choices for the 70s, man. All hard bands to choose your favorite record, but I think, again, going back to Impact and kind of how they sit in your DNA when you listen to them. They don't go away, you know. And how the shit that you listen to just is an offspring of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the new, anything that's come out since... That has been touched by that those bands and those some records. Some way, some some fashion. I mean, you get into even like Motorhead and shit. You know, yeah. they took they took a page or two from AC/DC for sure, for sure. They just took it to another level of heaviness, you know. Which brings us to the '80s. This was a hard one for me, like impact-wise, because so still so much good stuff in the '80s. I don't think quite as much as the 70s, but as far as raw rock and roll goes, but I'm going to have to say first is probably for me, influence-wise, would be Motley Crue. I mean, that was one of my first bands where I just became a fanatic. You know, when I was, you know, 10 in 1987, Girls, Girls, Girls was out that year. The Wild Side video is actually what got me interested in the drums, you know, just Tommy Lee in that fucking thing. I mean, it's not on the Wild Side video where the drums mm-hmm. are going upside down. And back then, dude, in 1987... That was epic. Nobody's ever done anything like that before. And when you're a 10-year-old kid, it goes beyond the songwriting. kind of goes into the theatrics of everything. You're like, whoa. And that's kind of what hooked me in, I think, full, full on there. I was like, oh, I want to play the drums. And here I am, 500 years later, still playing drums. So... Even though Wildside was on Girls, 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 we were listening, my older brother was listening to uh, Shout at the Devil. Yeah, that. that was dark. Yeah. For so, the time. So we were super into that record. And uh, so I would go ahead and pick Shout at the Devil by Molly Crew, of course, you know. Looks that kill. The title track. I mean, that was dark shit back then. A lot of people wouldn't understand, like, I think... You know, because you listen back to it now, it's like, that's not that dark. It's because there's a lot more content to be had. Oh, and then it's so the much- thing now is to push the boundary. I mean, it's always been to push the boundary. And that was pushing the boundary. Yeah, it was at the time. Yeah, I know? would think so. In the beginning. I mean, the intro to the record, it's pretty dark shit. I mean, that's Aleister Crowley, isn't it? Or something. Or It was one of those guys. I can't remember who the guy. I'd have to go back and look at it again. It's been a while. But I have it on vinyl. I've had it on vinyl since I was a kid. It's It's in one of my boxes there so i got the first four motley's on vinyl from back in the day i might have to bust them out sometime and just play them although theater pain not that good <laughs> no had a couple a couple jams on it had a couple stinkers on it too jailhouse rock uh-huh. is that what it was? yeah jailhouse rock and uh home sweet home that was on that it's a cool album cover though yeah and I think my next for the 80s would be 
it's gonna have to be Guns N' Roses, man. I mean, Appetite for Destruction. Same same era for me. Yeah. 87. Uh, never heard anything like Guns N' Roses before that. And it was real. I remember it for me, it was really fucking confusing. Because Axl Rose played in two different voice stylings. You know, he, he did that real low shit, mm-hmm. and he did that real high shit. And, and in 1987, that was weird. I mean, it was like, that's the same guy? Like, that blew my mind, like, hearing song, going from song to song on Appetite for Destruction. Because, I mean, it was, you know, Welcome to the Jungle. And then you hear, yeah. like, Night Train was totally different. You know, and you're like, that's the same guy. We had no fucking clue how to, you know, process that. So that was innovative, I think, right there in itself. I mean, aside from the amazing songwriting and the rawness of that record, just the punk rock attitude and more of an Aerosmith, heavier Aerosmith kind of vibe to me. You know, like 70s Aerosmith. Yeah. Like that kind of shit. Uh, so good. Different. Yeah, that was my top for the 80s as well. I mean... They just had the image to where it was, they're still kind of coming off that glam, but it was more dirty and I, I couldn't deal with the, like the poison look, but they still, Guns N' Roses still had some of that. A little bit. <laughs> they still had some of that. They got rid of it pretty quick. Yeah. Though. Yeah, they did. They went, they went full on dirty, but I mean, just that don't give a fuck, you know, play music, party, you know, and lyrically and musically written, uh, it was incredible. I never heard anything like that. I remember popping in the cassette and thinking, holy fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, man. This is something. D- dark. Another, I mean, another thing that separates Guns N' Roses from the rest of the Sunset Strip, like Hollywood scene at the time, was the songs were stripped down. The production of the record was stripped down. And, and back then, it was all gloss. You know, the mm-hmm. look was glossy. The sound was glossy with the cannon shot snare drums and, uh, you know, the fucking really affected out guitars and stuff, and which kind of washed out the songwriting. That I think it was more of an yeah. image thing for a lot of those bands than, than actual music, whereas Guns N' Roses was all about the songs, you know, and you, you, know, you can tell from, I mean, that's why it's a classic. It's a classic record, but um, that's what set them apart from all those other bands. They just smashed them. They just came out and just annihilated everyone and then everybody the next year after that record broke you know everyone's trying to be guns and roses you know it's the dark the black leather and you know the jean jacket shit you know i think the only other band that was looking like that was probably metallica that that would have been my second 80s oh yeah yeah master of puppets yep i just put that in the other day it's in my player right now i mean beginning to end just hardcore and yeah. just brutal i mean it was brutal and i remember hearing it the first time in my cousin's basement i was like god damn man you're worse than the devil down here yeah, just take, it, <laughs> take it to the next level you know at the time i had no idea you know i thought guns and roses was heavy yeah man the definition of heavy very different in our lifetime from what it is now i think heavy is overrated now because I think a lot of a lot of bands nowadays just rely on that heavy sound, the heavy typical double bass and the raw, mm-hmm. the fucking morping vocals or whatever the fuck you call them, and just e-, e chugging that guitar, you know. And then they throw a shredder on top of it, a guitar solo, and then you know we've heard that a billion times. But 
Well, the way so they heavy... can change it up is to you know throw a breakdown in there and some melodic vocals. I mean, no one's doing that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no one, dude. We should try it. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think heavy can still be innovative. I just don't think a lot of people are doing it innovatively. There's still people out there that are doing it, but I mean they're not popular, and that's what sucks. But you know, yeah, you're right, dude. Masters, master of puppets. And again, going back to the songs, I don't, I don't think they were relying so much on being heavy, but writing great songs, and they just they wrote them in their style. I mean, it starts off with battery. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that song is just straight fucking balls to the wall. I need, I need to get that on vinyl. Master of puppets, the thing that should not be. Welcome home, sanitarium. Disposable Heroes, Leopard Messiah, Orion, Orion. Damage Inc. I mean, whew. And it's sad that, it's really sad in that it was Cliff Burton's swan song, you know? I mean, uh, Orion just showed what his potential was for taking songwriting to some other fucking level. I don't know what Metallica would have done if he would have survived, but... Yeah, it worked out the way it did, and I mean, it was a fucking great album and he left a ridiculous impression i mean he's still in the discussion oh yeah <laughs> he's never gonna leave the discussion yeah who knows what he's done 24 years old and gone you know sad sad as fuck that's another band hard to fucking choose in that era because i mean the first i would say first five records we've talked about that before but i throw a black album in there as you know their five best oh yeah so it's yeah. hard to pick I you can't say, take away from that album. You try to. You know, you can try and slam them all you want, but that album is just as heavy and just as good as most of their shit. Yeah. You know, pre that album, because it was just, it was hard, man, and it was really chunky. It, was, it wasn't, it was I didn't feel it was technical and flashy. No. But it was more more song oriented yeah well they they were coming off of injustice for all dude which was like fucking proggy almost yeah yeah and darkest their darkest and heaviest fucking album you know and uh very strange long songs and then they then they decided to take another turn i mean yeah a lot of people give me shit but i'm like dude fucking sad but true is audibly one of their fucking heaviest songs like riff wise yeah you know, they just they just went for that chunk, man, and just did it, and grooved in that, too, you know? So, yeah, I don't take anything away from that record. I mean, we listened to the fuck out of those albums back in the day, you know? And Justice for All. You yeah. can't overlook that album. I know. This is probably, maybe, my favorite. I don't know. I bounce between Master and, and Injustice, for sure, but just depends on your mood. You need to go back and listen to that thing again. It's been a while. Yeah. Good choice, though. like that shit. Love it. Yeah, that was a game changer for me. I mean, that got me listening to heavy music, and you know, I was in a shell. I mean, when fuck, when hell, oh, when you know, Pantera. I didn't hear about Pantera until Vulgar Display came out. I mean, I heard of them. I didn't pay no attention until Vulgar came out. I had Cobbles from Hell wasn't on my radar. No, it wasn't. It came after. You know, I mean, yeah. it was before yeah, yeah. Vulgar, of course. But I mean, it. Yeah, I went back and revisited. That's not my favorite record they did. You know. That's a great record. Cowboys from Hell? Oh no no. I mean I don't I don't Cowboys from Hell has some great some great yeah. songs on it, but I don't think through and through it's my it's no, not too much Rob Halfordy for yeah. me. They were I didn't still like developing. Feel like that. They were still developing. 
Yeah, man, here we are in the 90s. Here it gets real fucking hard impact-wise. I'm going to try to pick a, a metal record and then a rock record. I would say Pantera, man, vulgar display of power, probably. It's not my favorite Pantera record, but as far as impact goes, I would have to say that vulgar display was a huge impact because I remember listening to that behind the high or behind the junior high at field high school with our Walkman. I can't remember what the fuck we were doing back there, fucking around. I don't know, but uh, we were listening. What we were probably geeking out on vulgar display of power because we're like listening to this shit. And I remember around the same era was uh, Bad Motorfinger was out too. And we were kind of listening to both of those records at the same time, kind of like trading them off and showing everybody, you know, showing all of our friends, you know, look, check this out. Oh, check this out. Same producer. And uh, those two records were heavy as fuck. I mean, they, they took that Injustice for All and took heavy to a different thing. Like, it's hard to explain. But uh, I think it was more heavy like Black Album is heavy. You know, it, yeah. it was hooky, dark riffs. You know, vulgar or no? I thought you were talking about bad, uh, Motor bad Motorfinger. Bad Motorfinger, yeah, yeah, man. Um, bad Motorfinger is not my other choice, but why not? We can talk about it. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, it was just. Uh, I mean, it blew me away too. It did. I mean, fucking searching with my good eye closed. Fucking a. You know, uh, slaves and bulldozers probably the heaviest Soundgarden song ever. Yeah, that's one of my favorites, too. Vulgar Display, though, man. I mean, Pantera took Heavy to the next level. They were fucking pretty innovative in their, you know, using their influences to take the sounds to a different level. But, you know, not always technical. You know, Walk, of course, everybody's heard that song. Yeah. Real simple. Uh, Phil Iconic, that's where he got the iconic bald heavy man or heavy front man more the growly vocals he took that into the fucking mainstream metal thing. yeah yeah he did he's an icon in yeah. metal so yeah, that, that that video and that song hit like nothing in metal yeah it's <laughs> like we thought that was heavy again you know black sabbath motley crew you know even, guns and roses metallica, yeah, metallica pantera i mean shit yeah there's one for me I'll, I'll throw Vulgar in there. Of course, Slaves are, you know, uh, Bad Motor Fingers amazing. It's not my impact. That's going to be a hard one to choose. What's, uh, what's your first 90s? Uh, Anima. Tool. Tool. Fuck. Yeah, I forgot about that shit. We used to listen to the shit out of those those records. I just I just recently put Anima back in, checked it out again. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's, amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, I, I remember what I was doing when I first heard some of those songs. <laughs> Difficult to consume right off the bat. And a lot of 90s bands were that way, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Cause it, and I'm so glad that we were young when that music was coming out. All those, almost anything in the 90s we were listening to. Because it like challenged our young minds to like, you know, really dig in and listen, you know, and go back and listen again and again and uh, gain appreci more appreciation for every listen. Yeah. You know? Well, my brother Tool has always got me into Tool. Me. He started listening to Tool back in the Undertow. Like, right when Undertow came out, he somehow got subjected to it, and I started listening to it, and then Anima came out, and it was 
fucking mind-blowing shit. Yeah. I mean, just really, it was like a super dark, heavy Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Maybe a little more proggy in Pink Floyd, more technical. Sometimes. Definitely more technical. Yeah. But I don't think more proggy, though, because you don't list, really listen to them and hear what they're doing. Yeah. As a musician, you look at it and you hear that and you see it and you know, you know, you can recognize it. But I don't remember ever listening to a Tool song and thinking, wow, that's so difficult. You know? Oh, I do. You yeah. <laughs> because you're a musician. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But as a kid, I don't remember thinking like that. I don't remember thinking, you know, trying to play those songs or thinking of it on that level. I just was impressed by the song in its entirety. I don't think... I don't think I ever thought of it. I was like, wow, that's hard to play, but that's hard to write. How the yeah. fuck did you come up with that? I you didn't know? appreciate it. I didn't think like that, I guess. I, I was just listening to the flow of, you know, some like Jimmy, yeah, some I, of the fucking songs off there that just... I do all that too, of course. You know? went, w- went on this journey and I was just on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I could definitely... I, I always did both. There was a little analyzing of bands like that, especially Tool. Still. I mean, dude, oh. listen to 10,000 Days, you're like, like, what the fuck is that time signature? I, I can get in that headspace, and then, but that's another one where you just listen to the whole thing, and you're like, oh my god, what an amazing piece of art, you know? And, you know, difficult, not not easy to listen to at first, you know? Not easy to, you know, absorb everything, because there's so much going on in that kind of music, you know? So you got one, and I got one from the 90s. Let's do two. Fucking hard, hard, so hard. I mean, the whole grunge movement. You know, I could probably take all those records and just throw them. And that's my <laughs> classic rock. Yeah. A lot of it's your classic rock. You know, it's a whole generation's classic rock. Oh, I'm gonna have to pick something from Seattle for sure. I'm gonna have to say Soundgarden, man. I mean, I hate to cut out Alice in Chains because they're fucking amazing too. You know, the first several Pearl Jam records are great, but. Soundgarden, man, bad mo- or uh, super unknown rather. I mean, that record you can say so much about it. Long, all the Soundgarden records are, are long. They usually have like 15 songs. At least the ones in the 90s were pretty long. The songs were eclectic, always. Every song almost sounded different, it was, but it always always sounded like Soundgarden. Their approach to writing was the same, but it has one of one of my least favorite Soundgarden songs. Half, the, yes. <laughs> Would you call that a song or like an interlude? I don't know. I guess I'd have to see them play it. <laughs> they did it, did they? Yeah, they they played Super Unknown in its entirety on its. Uh, 2015, so that would be 20 year anniversary. So, I, so it's a song yeah. then. It must be a song. At least I think they did it. I've never seen it live, uh, but I, maybe I'll go back on YouTube. Maybe they and check maybe it out. they just played the played the music in the they, background. They might have, yeah. But but it. I, I can't imagine them trying to perform that song. <laughs> I bet they could. Well, if anybody. No, I'm sure off. they could. I'm sure they could. But how could you take your own self seriously? In the <laughs> ben Shepard actually sang that, not Chris. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I remember when that came out, like we, I think we had all bought it. And oh yeah, was it was. Strikingly different from Bad Motorfinger. Just the sound, the the songwriting, everything. Of course, it still had the Soundgarden stamp, but their biggest record ever, still to this day, had their biggest hit, which was Black Hole Sun. I think that's their biggest hit. Spoon Man, Spell yeah. on Black Days. To me, it felt like that was their 
their progression was kind of similar to how you know you go from Appetite for Destruction to the Use Your Illusions. Like it's the same band, and I don't think they get enough credit for for um, Super Unknown. You know, a lot of people. I love Bad Motorfinger, and it probably is my favorite. Yeah. But Super Unknown to me is their Use Your Illusion one or two. You know, because it's super eclectic. And it's got some. It's got my least favorite song, and it's got my favorite song that they did. Uh, you yeah. know, I think Limo Wreck is one of my favorite songs they've done. Oh yeah, it's such a cool, fucking dirty, just grungy song. Limo Wreck. Yeah, yeah. I'm riding you all the way. <laughs> you all the way. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Tear down. Heavy vocals. Yeah. Well, I think my two favorite songs on there are not hits. Limo Wreck was not a hit album track probably one of my favorites on there but uh like suicide the last track really struck me and fresh tendrils yeah also. fresh tendrils is amazing yeah very good shit still I, I never get tired of that record put it on periodically it's classic uh, i just got that song stuck in my head and it gave me goosebumps that's how great fucking fresh tendrils is oh man makes me want to go listen to it right now <laughs> then you can't put it on youtube though we saw the, the the lady playing keyboards Natasha something she played in Perfect Circle too for a while yeah yeah I remember that she passed away from a uh, drug overdose not too long ago really or must it could be it could on the, the, the woman from the Cranberries yeah she just passed away too yeah. man it's like what this is never making I heard they thought it was a suicide might have been she was uh, bipolar I guess she had back problems so that tells me opiates and some sort of depression so that's never good. Burn My Eyes is my other 90s. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. It makes sense to me. It was it was a game changer. I mean, I mm-hmm. I thought they even took, you know, it was somewhere between Pantera and Metallica. Yeah. It was dirty and raw and guitars were ridiculous and starts off with left freedom ring with a shotgun blast. You see, he doesn't want to play that song anymore because of that lyric. I'm like, come on, Rob. Just fuck that, dude. Just play the song, man. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to play it because of that. He's such a fucking social justice warrior now. Oh, man. It's a bummer, man. It is a bummer. That's a great song. And, dude, you don't listen to this, but you should fucking play the fucking song. People like that fucking song, man. The people that are there now (laughs) put you there now. Guns are what give you freedom anyway. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Without them, it's, it's tyrannical, man. Look through history. Take away your guns. Get thrown in a fucking camp. You know, that's what happens. Bad news. We won't get too political. That was a great fucking record. It's a great song. And I remember me and you and Mr. John Nagy, rest in peace, all went and saw them. for the. Was it the first time for you? The Odeon yeah. opening up for Corrosion of Conformity? No, that was not the first time I've seen him. It was my first time. It was definitely my first time. But that was next level, man. I'll never forget that show. They showed up COC that night, and that's a hard thing to do, not cutting on COC at all. No, it's hard to follow that kind of energy. Yeah. You know, in that small of a crowd. Yeah, they just smoked it, man. You know, I remember people just standing around, just winded, watching COC, and I was <laughs> one of them. Yeah. You know, I love that band. Yeah. But... Here I am, fucking wasted, tired. Yeah. Because we've just been circle pitting for the last forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I was right up front. I was I was I had to pit because I was right up front. I was 
stage left. I remember the, the, the road crew was trying to fuck up the band. There was like a, a war going on with, between the band and the road crew. Like the road crew was like turning cymbals away from Dave on the drum stand and shit. And people were getting snapped with towels and hit with guitars and shit. It was pretty good. They didn't fucking skip a beat, man. They did not fuck up at all from what I remember. And that's what I love about that band. I mean, I've seen them live and they're, they put on a great live show. And I don't have to agree with every fucking thing you say politically. Sometimes I wish you'd just shut up. That's what I wish everybody would fucking do. Just shut the fuck up and play your instruments. I agree, though. I mean, it's okay to disagree. It's okay. It's not a, an attack on a, the person personally. It's... I did see an interview with him that I was hesitant to watch, but, you know, he did say that he's a piece of shit and, you know, has done far worse things than, you know, he'd like to admit and that you shouldn't be listening to him. Still continues to talk. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, why, why are you subjecting us to this bullshit then? <laughs> yeah, I like the, I like the folks anymore. You know, like Maynard, he gets, he has his own way of, you know, when he's, he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast yeah. a number of times. He has a more objective, very, you know, intelligent way of talking about it. His emotions, though, are kind of tampered down. You know going back to the objectivity it's if you're gonna say anything and it probably should be long form and not you know media talking points but uh my preference is just to shut the fuck up yeah i agree shut up yeah 90s covered that shit huh so many great records from that era you know i you know love alice in chains i love pearl jam you know love them back in the day love them back in the day uh, you know, Mother Love Bone, for Christ's sake. You know, Nirvana was cool. I was They were never one of my favorites. Loved and Nevermind. It was great shit. The Unplugged record was great. But Mad Season, man. Yeah, that I wanted one, to say that. That was a hard one to cut out. But, I mean, as far as, like, influential impact, it didn't really... I don't think it influenced me in any way as far as playing goes. It just That's just another piece of art. Classic. Timeless. Flawless. There was a point in my life where I didn't listen to anything but that for a long time, yeah. long periods of time. Yeah, yeah. We would listen to that album on repeat. Yeah. We would listen to it, you know, the, on a daily basis, that album would get played. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's jump into the first decade of the 2000s. been thinking about this. Is that even a definitive decade? I don't even... It has <laughs> do, to be. I mean... 2000 to 2009. Yeah, it is, but I mean, do people like... They identify that as a decade. I, I don't in my mind for whatever fucking reason, you know. It's just a period of a period in my life, tumultuous. Started out pretty rough with 9/11 and all that shit. But I think again, a lot of fucking amazing records in that decade. I mean, just stepping it up. So we've gone 70s, 80s, 90s. We're at six. So we got four more. East, right? Yep. Um, it's gonna have to be Clutch. Uh, Blast Tyrant. Hmm. And that record really fired me up about that band. I mean, we've raged about Clutch on this podcast many times. They're probably one of my top ten bands now. I mean, the older I get, you know, because they're getting older. We're kind of all getting older together. Liked them back in the 90s when they opened up for Pantera and Akron. That was great. That was my first introduction to them. Probably yours, too, if you were there. Yep. 
but we liked you know the self-titled record and elephant riders was cool i think we saw them again open up for limp biscuit in the late 90s remember mm-hmm. that weird they opened up for limp biscuit that's right clutch opened up for limp biscuit in the late 90s all right and uh liked them then always liked them in the 90s but i didn't start loving that band until blast tyrant came out uh pure rock fury was great too but i think their their 90s records were kind of the same on par it was kind of like a continuation of last where is blast tyrant really put uh, it you know it impressed me this i don't know what happened i would love to talk to one of those guys maybe someday we can do that but i want to know what happened in between the Pure Rock Fury record that they did and uh, Blast Tyrant because th- th- that band just turned a fucking corner. I mean, side, you know, songwriting-wise, I mean, it just got to... They just went next level. For, however, they just got so much better, you know, as a band. And again, not taking anything away to the records prior to that, I liked them all, but I loved Blast Tyrant. That was the first clutch record I ever loved. And I've pretty much loved everyone ever since. So... Again, I'd love to go back and pick their brains. Like, what was going on with the band? What the fuck happened? Were you guys just playing nonstop in between those years, between that record? Because, man, I mean, every song is good on it. And it's a long record. And uh, quintessential clutch. You know. I was going to go clutch, uh, but I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say Robot Hive. Ah, well. I thought Blast Tyrant was great, but it still it was still rocky to me in comparison. Yeah. I thought, I thought um, Robot Hive was next level shit. Oh, I love it too. I mean, just the songwriting, Burning was, Beard, dude. But that song is just—it's a great song. It's a—it's a hook rock song, but you know, Mice and Gods and Gravel Road. Yeah, Gravel Road's a great song. I think that's a cover song, though. Is it a cover song? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, it's probably blues. Yeah, still good. It's probably better than the original, though. You know, the original's cool. Mike Lenz used to do a cover. Used to do it. Oh yeah, it's probably some old blues guy then. Yeah, it is. Um, of mice and gods. Yeah, Burning Beard. Fucking weird time decision. Current. Again, it's one of those songs. Like, How'd you write that shit, man? The what's <laughs> the? I think it's. One zero 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 one one. Yeah, binary. Yeah. Yeah, I love that song. Strange, very strange lyrics. Oh, very psychedelic lyrics. I mean, they always yeah. had kind of a, a psychedelic thing going on. But uh, small upsetters, very groovy. Love that shit. Land of pleasant living. Yeah, who's been talking? Who's been talking is actually the, the is the cover song. Yeah, gravel road is theirs. Gravel road is theirs. Okay, yeah. all good. Incomparable, Mister Flannery. The opening track, man. Great yep. shit. Yeah, great stuff, man. Got it on vinyl. Sounds fantastic. That band's great, man. And they blew up as soon as they got their own... They just started their own label. And that's... I mean, I'm so happy they're successful and doing well. Because that's a band that deserves every bit of it. And I don't think they're going to ever betray us. Not to say it's their job not to betray us. They can do whatever they want. I'm probably going to like it. They'd have to really fuck up. They have to make like a techno record for me to bail out. Like as much as I love Chris Cornell, he did do that hip hop record and that that fucking that's a stain on his on his, <laughs> on his legacy. Yeah. But yeah. he did it. He did it because he wanted to do it. 
you know? And uh, who the fuck am I to say one way or the other? He, you know, it's what he wanted to do, so I get it. I don't think Clutch is going to do a hip-hop record, though, but they fucking could if they wanted to. It'd be it'd be cool to do if they did a hip-hop record, but it was all them instruments, you know, real deal shit. That might be cool. Please do not do that. Please don't, though. <laughs> I'm not a hip-hop guy. I'm just saying, I, you know. My second album... That changed... Well, this would be the first one for the 2000s. Yes. The, right? No, that was 2000s. Oh, yeah, yeah you said Robot Hive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Magic Potion. Black Keys. Black Keys. Good shit. I... That was a whole other thing to me. So I'm know. on that tour. Two, you know, just a, a two-piece, other than when they play live... But, you know, a lot of their stuff was real simple and hooky and bluesy. Uh, it got me listening to a lot of blues that I probably never would listen to. Yeah, you know, the last couple records kind of lost me. I mean, I get it. I understand what they're doing. But it, they've kind of lost that sound, that rawness. Oh, they've completely lost it. Yeah, I mean, it worked out for them. Who the fuck am I to say? I, I like Del Camino. I liked some of it, you know. I liked about half of it. It was, it was, you know, I had some good songs, but I didn't love it, you know. What yeah. I mean? And then the the one after that, Turn Blue or whatever it's called. Yeah, I didn't even get that one. I didn't get that one either. But Brothers was amazing, you know. That was good shit too. But Magic Potion was amazing, man. I mean, all the records before that are great. Yeah, Brother it, had uh, Next Girl on it, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. There was a single for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that got him Grammys and platinum record in the United States. They're big band. I can't believe they got that big. That's so crazy. Your Touch, dude. That's a great song. Oh, that, the Flame is probably one of my favorite. You're the one, dude. That's yeah. a great song. I'm going to have to go back and listen to Magic Potion again. It's been quite a while. Modern Times is okay. Black Door. That's great. Yeah, You're the One's awesome. I forgot about that song. Just Gotta Be, man. The opening track. Mm-hmm. I saw them at the Agora during this tour. And they were just starting to blow up. You know, the Gore Theater is like, wow, these guys are getting big. I mean, because they started in Akron at the Lime Spider, you know? Yeah. Playing. I remember being downtown when they played the Lime Spider, and people were like, oh, we're going to see the Black Keys. I'm like, who the fuck's the Black Keys? Yeah. Well, <laughs> look at this line out the door. And then they played Letterman. Yeah. We're like, what the fuck, dude? And we'd see, we'd see Pat at the Lime Spider. He's like sitting at the bar. I'm like, that dude just played the Letterman. Shit's <laughs> getting weird in Akron right now, you know? But uh, I wish they would have stayed in town, you know? They moved down to Nashville, and I get it. Whatever, do whatever you want. When you get money, you can go wherever. Not to say, who knows? Like, if I got a mountain of money, maybe I would go to somewhere. Who knows? Take my dudes with me, call it a day. Yeah. But they they played it, going back to that, they played the Agora Theater for Magic Potion, and it was sponsored by Camel Cigarettes. Yeah, so I remember when they used to do that kind of shit. Yeah. It would never Pass would, out cigarettes. It would never fucking happen now. <laughs> how much time, how much shit has changed in just 10 years or so? Yeah, about 10 years ago. Well, I've seen movies where people are smoking on planes and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was real shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, they did that shit. Well, I remember smoking in bars. I remember the night before Sm- they, they banned them. Smoking in fucking doctor's offices. Yeah. <laughs> The night, the night before they banned smoking, everybody, I, we were out. I can't remember who it was. It's probably Ben, our old singer and buddy. But uh, probably at Annabelle's. And everybody, all the smokers came out in full forces and last night smoking inside. And it was probably late winter, early spring in Ohio. So everyone just fucking smoked. I lost my voice, dude. In the middle of a conversation, I was like, Wah! we're at Annabelle's. And it was just, 
filled with fucking smoke. I don't believe in many laws, but that was a good one. Because I don't smoke, dude. Well, vote with your dollar. People don't have don't the right. Go. People don't have the right to fucking poison my air, bro. I'm going to dis- disagree. I, I, I'd have to side with the, the shop owner. With, I would think they should make the decision. Yeah, well, I'm just saying I agree with it, so. <laughs> In this particular scenario, <laughs> fuck you smokers. Yeah, fuck you guys. Well, the fuck us, though, right? You know, I'm smoking in front of you. This could kill you, too, so enjoy my secondhand smoke. Well, whatever, you know. If I could go back, I guess I'd let everybody smoke in bars. <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to kill yourself with secondhand smoke. Good choice, man. Black or uh, Magic Potion, right on. The Egg Album. Go get it. It's great shit if you don't have it already. So two left each, right? Yeah, yeah. The 2010s. 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 Well, fucking. This is kind. Of, this is hard. It is harder. A lot of good ones here. Um. I've been listening to a lot. Rival Sons was a, a band that really impacted me when they came. I mean, it was one of those bands where that I found out about them. My buddy Matt, like turned me on to him and uh checked them out and on a friday and i owned all their records by sunday it was they were that good so i'm gonna have to go with rival sons see what record what record so good uh pressure and time it's a very Great album yeah very good front to back very youthful rock and roll spirit recorded by dave cobb in nashville these guys write songs on the spot they don't fucking wait you know and demo the fuck out of them they just record it they write it right there and they spend uh, a song a day is what they do in the studio i guess so they just write the damn thing that day and uh, they recorded that day, and that's how they did Pressure and Time, and I'm pretty sure that's how they've done all their records since then. And uh, they did a great job, man. Introspective lyrics. Fun lyrics, too, though. Not all serious. A lot of it's just youthful good times. Uh, you know, it takes that classic rock, you know, of the early 70s, that spirit, puts it into modern times. And, uh, yeah, it was very impactful. Uh a song on there called of course pressure and time the uh title track um white noise is probably my favorite on there but they have another one called uh there's a tune off there only one it's their little love song and that's also a very good song it's only like two minutes long but it's so good oh all yeah that's road. a great song i think that's the song i was thinking about all over the road. Young Love, that's a great one. Burn, burn Down Los Angeles. Oh, and Gypsy Heart. Yeah, Gypsy Heart's one of my favorites. It's right before White Noise. Great song. Great record, front to back. If you guys aren't familiar, go get it. They're currently in the studio making a new one, so we're going to get new Rival Sons in 2018. So there's there's one. What, 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 what about you? Well... He's, he's going to get a uh, second nod. I'm going to have to go with Pussifer, uh, Money Shot. Different band, though, so it's fine. Different band, but once again, Maynard 
and the Midas touch motherfucker touches yeah, yeah. it and it turns to gold. Maybe platinum, dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I mean... I doubt you, it these days, but... I don't know if you've you've heard the album in its entirety. I know I gave it to you. Yeah, I've heard some of it. I haven't taken enough time to sit <sighs> down and listen to it. it. It is... I don't know. Incredible. I, I think they took that whole Pink Floyd vibey kind of thing and went even further with it. I mean, it's so out there. Um... They, they added the, the female singer. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. But, wow. I mean, just the songwriting. It's just like Tool, but a little more digestible, I guess. Yeah, yeah. how I'd say it. Makes sense. You know? Yes, yeah, I would agree. Very well written and very melodic. And sometimes it's hateful and, you know, you, you can feel the angst and other times it's just fucking beautiful yeah I'll, I'll take it i gotta i gotta sit down on that record i have it I just gotta listen to it there's time there's only so many minutes in the day and too many fucking good shit good records to listen to i guess damn it but they're doing good doing well rather of course everything he does does well then they yeah. just then they just play in Akron last year or something. Yeah, Perfect Circle just came to the Wolstein Center. Yeah, a couple months ago. No, uh, Christopher didn't they play? No. Yeah, well, they came to Akron. Yeah, they played the Civic Theater. Well, I think it was. It's been. I don't even know if it was last year. If it was, it was early last year. Yeah, might have been. Time's flying flying by, man. Yeah, it, right it by. was amazing. But I I, I want to say it was end of 2016. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, damn, man, I got one more. I'm thinking I didn't put one Black Crows record in there. That's just not like me. No, it's not. God damn it. So now you, you got to pick one out of the 2010s. There is no one. Yeah, there's there isn't, there isn't one. There isn't one in 2010s. I don't think. Aside from the, well, they did, uh, they did uh, an acoustic rendition of a bunch of their songs. But I, don't, I can't remember what year that came out. It might have been 2010. I don't think so though. I think it was 2009. I could be wrong, but. I'll go with uh, seeing I don't have a Black Crows option. Way to go, Chris Robinson, you piece of shit. No, just kidding, man. <laughs> Way to ruin it, dude. You have a lot of fans that love you and you're playing the hippie music. God damn it. Anyway, I'm going to go with one of uh, Rich Robinson's solo records. Uh, very impactful on me. Uh, Through a Crooked Sun, his second solo record. That was 2011 that came out. The Black Crows are still touring then. But you could just kind of tell that they were kind of on the way out. And, you know, they're probably one of my top five bands, rock and roll bands. And uh, But that said, I mean, even though their creative output was uh, very uh, limited, uh, Rich poured all his talent and resources into uh, his second solo record, Through a Crooked, Through a Crooked Sun. The songwriting's great. I mean, it's reminiscent of Black Crows, just way more stripped down. You know, and he did the singing, so it's a different kind of vocal style. Uh, he he kind of takes that Keith Richards vibe, you know, on his 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 singing. But he's good. He's a good singer. He's a great lyricist, and that's what that record kind of made me realize, like how talented that dude really is. Because not only is he very underrated guitar player, he's an all-around underrated songwriter because he he writes great guitar parts and great lyrics i mean 
He's really good. And uh, that record is good front to back, man. There's not a bad track on it. And totally underrated. Nobody even knows it, really, aside from the hardcore Rich Robinson fans. But saw him a couple times in that tour at the Beachland uh, Tavern. Wow. Tiny room. It was as big as this room, probably. Yeah. Twice as big as this room, you know. And uh, just impressed with that dude, man. Just his dedication to playing. I mean, he doesn't have to go out and tour. He doesn't have to get in a van and tour. And he does. And he comes out and he plays to 150 people that show was sold out but it was you know 150 people you know it's a small crowd but he played for two hours you know it's his love for music that i really appreciate and love and that's what separated the black crows to me from uh you know the hippie jam bands of the 90s like was his guitar playing because it was still loud and heavy rock and roll guitar playing along with Steve Gorman. So, I mean, that's kind of what separated those guys, and I think that's why I like Rich so much. It's his guitar style. is still in the vein of loud rock and roll. And he'd get quiet and do the acoustic stuff too, but that's his his electric stuff is what really, uh, you know, keeps me a fan because he appreciates loud rock, you know. So Some good open chords with a little bit yeah. of gain. A lot of open tuning, yeah. And he just he plays those little uh, boutique combo amps, and they just smoke. They sound so fucking loud. And I'm like, damn, dude. And he, he's not afraid to turn it up. A lot yeah. of people bitch about Rich and his his volume on stage. It's like, well, you're in the wrong place. Just go home. You know, if you're not here for loud rock and roll, then you don't need to be here. It's yeah. too loud. You're too fucking old. And that's it's just true, you know. Right, right. There's a time and a place for it, and you're at the place yeah. that it's time What did you it. think this was going to be, you know? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I'm going to have to um, go with a band that you introduced me to, actually, um, Graveyard. Mm-hmm. The High Singing Blues. Yeah. I'm glad you picked that. Because it is... Because I can't. I can't. So, <laughs> I'm glad you did. Uh, just the songwriting and the riff writing and l- lyrically uh, it's such a good album it is man I had no idea and I felt I felt terrible I didn't know about that band until just a couple years ago yeah and they're amazing yeah they're an amazing band and it totally shaped some of the way that I, I write and play now yeah you know, j- just listening to that band highly impactful for me too I loved it just vibe you yeah know? I mean sound uh, real retro but who gives a fuck about that? It's, you know, it's more... Uh, it's well done. Lo-fi, but it's the songs are great. It's well done. The songs are great. That's all that matters to me. They could have recorded it digitally. It would still would have sounded fucking amazing, you know? But, uh, yeah, front to back, great. I've seen them live, and they're fucking... Tw- I've seen them live twice. Once at the Grog Shop. And uh, once opening up for Mastodon, and it was... And Clutch. I was like, Mastodon, Clutch, and Graveyard are coming to town? fucking going to that but uh they were amazing man when i the first time i saw them was with uh again mastodon and clutch at summertime outdoors and they give me chills dude i went right down front and just fucking vibed out on that shit it's just great band to see live honorable mention though was high country the sword oh yeah dude oh i love that album so good it has that same vibe to me you know yeah Uh, you're uh, you're right i agree I'm glad they changed their sound. A lot of people gave them shit for that, of course, you know, because all the heavy fuckers and... Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm glad they changed their sound because they would have wrote the same fucking record over and over again. By the way, two bands that also are coming out with new records this year. This is going to be a good year, man. 
we're going to have a lot of good stuff to listen to. The Sword, I think, is in March. They come out with a new one. I think it was the same producer that did High Country. So mm. looking forward to that. Graveyard broke up for a little bit, but they're back together also in the studio making a new one. So, well, I get the new COC tomorrow. It comes yeah. in the mail. Did you get vinyl? Oh, no, you don't have vinyl. I'm getting the vinyl. I'm getting the vinyl. I already have it, but I'm not listening to it until the vinyl comes out. <laughs> nice. I mean, I have listened to it once, and it's very, very good. I'm not going to lie to you. I have listened to it once, but I'm trying not to listen to it too much because I want to play the vinyl. It's awesome. We'll probably play a song today on this one. Sweet. But, yeah, I don't know which one. But they they're doing a lot of videos. Fuck, it's good, dude. They're back. They're back full bore. I mean, everyone's comparing it to Deliverance, and uh, I pretty much agree. It's it's pretty it's pretty fucking good front to back. I love Deliverance, but there's some good shit that came out after Deliverance. Fuck all of them. Arms of God. All of them are good. Wise Blood. America's Volume Dealer, dude. That one I didn't, I didn't buy in as much. It was cool. Stare Too Long. Fucking. Who's Got the Fire? Fucking. Yeah, that's a jam. Zippo. Fucking 13 Angels, dude. Good shit. In the Arms of God was amazing, too. I love them all, man. I'm a, COC to me is like. Like Clutch, you know, they kind of throw throw in that same kind of, you know, love basket. Uh, yeah, I felt that, <laughs> that Arms of God was their heaviest thing that they've done to me. Great. I saw him on that tour. Stan that, Moore. I felt like he, Kirk had influenced him on that that record. I could mm-hmm. see, I could feel some of that coming yeah. through on Arms of God. So glad they're back with Pep. Hopefully they stick around and do it some more. Well, we plan on going to see him next month. Yeah. Yeah, definitely gonna go to that. All right, man. It's we're an hour and a half. We're an hour and five minutes in. Wrap that shit up, B. Everybody, go buy the, all of these albums if you don't have them. If you do have them, then you fucking agree with us. They're yeah. fucking fantastic, and uh, you're welcome. So let it be written. Let it be done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Peace out. Later.